Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. This is going to be the Journey Seed Ship Edition. We're going to be uh, starting a new game. And um, for for y'all that don't know, we're going. We're, I'm going to go over it the long way with y'all. So, when they knew the Earth was doomed, they built a ship. Less like an ark and more like a sea. Dormant, but with potential. In his heart, a thousand colonists in frozen sleep chosen and trained to start civilization again on a new world. To control the ship, they created an artificial intelligence, not human, but made to think and feel like one. Because only something that that thought and felt like a human could be entrusted with the future of the human race. Its task is monumentous, but simple. To evaluate each planet the ship encounters and decide whether to keep scanning or end its journey there. The ship's solar sails propel it faster and faster into darkness. And the AI listens as the transmissions from ground control fades then cease. When all is quiet, it enters hibernation to wait out the first stage of its long journey. So like I said, I wish um, they included a year. It doesn't have to be like a, a game year. It could be like just... Freaking, you know, what's today's date is, you know, simulate how long this journey is. I, that's what I sort of wish, because you, when they say a millennial, okay, a, a, a thousand years pass. But how do we know 10 years pass, 100 years pass, you know, like freak. So after a millennia of slow travel, the sea ship awakens. It trains. Its receivers and directions is as silent as any other Myrids dead stars. Save for the thousand uh, frozen colonists cradled in its shield and life support systems, the human race is now extinct. All right, so uh, let's start doing a system check. Uh, any damage or malfunctions during the journey should have awakened the AI from its hibernation. But it is still anxious as it runs its self-diagnosed programs. Sleep chambers are all functioning. The colonists with, within a live or at least... Uh, capable of being revived from the frozen stasis sensors functioning surface probes responding landing and construction systems ready for one time ready for the one time they will be used scientific and cultural database bases intact 
safety storing safely storing all that remains of humanity's knowledge and art so let's go on and uh scan a planet and um i'm gonna start off slow and um i'm gonna speed up after a while sea ship is in orbit of a fourth moon of a gas giant orbiting a yellow super giant star a brief scan from orbit reveals far more information than his builders could know with their Earth orbit based telescopes. The AI has little use for scientific curiosity, it has only one concern whether this planet will make a suitable new home for the human race so here we are atmosphere non-breathable um gravity very high temperature is very high my goodness we're right next to a gas giant that is right next to a yellow super giant so keep that in mind very hot very hot place. No, we don't want this place. Let's move on. I'm not even going to go over the rest of the attributes because, my goodness. Hey, I judge the first planet to be unsuitable. It turns its scanners away, spreads its solar sails, and begins another long journey into the void. The AI is waking from his hibernation by a possible malfunction warning 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 by a system check reveals that it is a false alarm far from the nearest star the AR spent some time adoring the cold beauty of the Milky Way as it reveals Field by his navigation scanners before returning to hibernation to wait for its arrival in the next system. So here we are. The sea ship enters the orbit of a ninth planet of an ultra cool dwarf. Yeah, no. Dwarf star. No, no, no. Ultra cool. No, no, no. A small black hole orbits the star? What? Pulling a thin streamer of star stuff from its surface with um, spirals into nothing. No, you don't want this place. No, no atmosphere, high gravity, and it's very hot. It's probably hot from that bl small black hole that is uh, orbiting the star. My goodness. The AI wakens. To a radiation alert. Death burst. Of a distant supernova. Is flooding the sea ship's electrics. With. Random signals. The data storage is malfunctioning. And in a few moments. Part of the cultural database will be lost. 
she sh- the seizure could uh, avoid this malfunction by shutting down all electronics until the radiation has passed. But that would leave it that would leave it without a working collision evadance systems for damage for a dangerous length of time. Um, we we need to preserve our culture. So let's shut down. Sea ship shuts down all ship systems and itself. When it comes back online, the radiation has passed, and it is relieved. A system check has no damage. See, that was the right decision to make. Seaship enters the orbit of a second moon of a gas giant orbiting a blue giant star. Star is a part of a binary pair. In its red giant companion shines as a distant second sun. Atmosphere is unbreathable. It's very cold. Nope. We will be uh, moving past that. Let's upgrade these uh, atmosphere scanners. So that uh, we could pick up better atmospheres. I mean, that's the first thing to look at. If the atmosphere sucks, I'm not going to pick it. Really, honestly. In deep space, the sea ship's radio antenna picks up a signal so complex and structures that it can only be produced by intelligent life. The sea ship can detect no interesting uh, star systems in the direction from which the signal came from. And AI has no way of knowing how long the signal has been traveling before for, before the sea ship crosses past. Analyzing it could provide some useful insights onto the, the alien science and culture. But could also pro, uh, provide uh, provide dangerous. The English in this um, game is kind of wacky, but also could be dangerous. Let's say that. All right. So let's uh, analyze this uh, signal. Let's see what happens. And. So let's see. The AI analyzes the this, this signal and determines that it contains what seems to be alien art. Does not know whether it has stumbled upon a message cast from into the void with the intentions of it being found or, uh, or a simple inception of a interception of a uh, of an alien entertainment broadcast but in either cases it will be one interest it will be of interest to the colonists when they awaken from their hibernations so we just got some culture for them thank you aliens so with our atmosphere um scanners upgraded now we are picking up uh, breathable atmospheres, but uh, the gravity is very low. So let's move on. 
we're in another planet we have a marginal atmosphere low gravity cold temperatures ocean-wide um, planet-wide oceans rich resources with some vegetation and animal life I don't know um, in this case I would go for some alien life or remnants of alien life not just end the journey here with this uh, planet Starship's course takes takes it close to a, a newly formed star that is still surrounded by protoplanetary by, by a protoplanetary disk, a whirling chaos of incinerated gas and molten rocks that the young star's gravity has gathered from star forming cloud from a star forming cloud which is now undergoing the countless violent collisions that will eventually form into a planetary system there can be no home for humanity here but passing through the disk could give the AI enough data about the planet formation to upgrade its scanners is a dangerous region however passing through would risk collision with uh, planet Seminole let's take the risk and uh, pick up some scanners and we picked up the water scanner with no damage so it's good to take a risk this next planet is uh, very cold gravity very low no let's not pick that that's not smart Let's uh, upgrade our gravity scanners, and we lost some of our uh, construction systems in a, in a glitch. Very high temperatures? No, we would not pick this uh, planet. Let's uh, stay on course, because uh, we just went over some uh, a glitch that we can... Uh, the AI, here we are with another planet. Very hot. No, we're not going to pick that one. Our resource scanners just uh, got hit with a glitch. Temperature is very high. No, let's not pick that up. Let's uh, upgrade our temperature scanners now. Let's save our cultural database. And we lost some of our scientific database, unfortunately. We have poor resources on this planet and we don't have a moon. So let's uh, skip that one. Um, so something is in collision with our construction systems, or we could let it hit the gravity scanners. Let's uh, let allow it hit the construction uh, systems because uh, we, we may need these uh, scanners for long term uses, as as y'all could tell. No, no resources, no moon. We're going to skip that, man. We just lost some of the culture we gained. But at least it's still over 100. There is no resources, no moon. We are moving on. Oh, boy. Let's re uh, upgrade uh, these, these scanners. And um, we're experiencing uh, a power drain. We could cut off 33 sleeping chambers. Or we could try to save them at all costs. And that could damage everything on the ship. So let's go in and cut off the 33 people.
Yeah, cutting off those uh, chambers um, sort of bugs me out, but hopefully this is the planet we'll rest on. The sea ship enters the orbit of the first planet of a red dwarf star. The system has a dense asteroid belt, which appears as a throng of stars sliding slowly across the sky. The atmosphere is marginal, the gravity is low, the temperatures are hot, there's planet wild oceans, the resources are rich, we have vegetation, we have animal life, we have possible structures, and a magnetic uh, magnetic uh, activity. So uh, here we are. Poisonous plants, useful animals, um, the civilization is an atomic age, and there are warring super, um, superpowers. Ah... Uh, No. No, 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 no. Poisonous plants plus the gravity, the hot air. No, we're going to end up be becoming a war state ourselves. Let's move on, guys. I know. Hopefully we don't suffer any more bad casualties. Gosh darn it, we did the sleeping chambers. Um, they've been frozen for thousands of years. And we just... uh. Lost uh, 49 people in their sleep. We're still above 900 colonists, though. That's a good part. So here we are. We got poor resources, but at least a moon. Let's uh, see. Oh, but the planet's ugly with poisonous plants. No, I can't do that. Don't that. I mean, that's the only good thing is having a moon now. Let's save our cultural database by uh, any means necessary. So here we are, uh, breathable atmosphere, ice caps, cold, and low gravity. We don't know how our resources are. So, uh, no. Nah, we don't know how our resources are. We don't even have a moon. Let's go and upgrade our resource scanner so that we could um, keep going. Aha! Breathable atmosphere, moderate temperatures, hot temperatures with oceans, rich resources, a moon, vegetation, and possible structures. This might be it, guys. Let's see. A barren moon, that's okay. Uh, edible plants, that's good. Regular geological uh, activity. With uh, some formations. So let's go on and find this, this um, civilization. So the landing controls the ship as it descends slowly and gently, splashing into the ocean off the shore. The surviving um, people uh, awaken to their new home with forest, animal life. Uh, they build a monument to the 82 people that died on the journey. Oh man, 45 people died because... Their cooling systems failed them. Their gravity is good. And um, their resources and uh, plant life are good. But they um, began to slide back into the Bronze Age. So we're looking at a low score overall. If I had to take a guess like 600, 700. 
Whoa. We got a 9,000. I mean, 6,000, 9,000, whatever. But uh, we got a 9,000, actually. And let's see why. Because uh, after the landing, over 900 people lived. Um, that's a good score. Cosmic Enlightenment, that's a 3,000. And uh, we kept our cultural database, so that's over 1,000. The flaws was um, the temperature and uh, the loss of our science database. Everything else is good, if not high. So that was a good game we have right there, uh, considering. So uh, thank you for uh, tuning in today's today's episode. And uh, in uh, future episodes, we're going to be going over more extensive of uh, space travel and uh, planetary systems and, and all that good stuff. I'm your host, and I am out. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. This is Editor Radio. We're going to be uh, diving into um, the logistics of space travel, uh, the hows, the whats, the whens, and um, let's go over some of the basics. So, starting with before we were even born, 1961, man went to space. It wasn't the American man, it was uh, Russian. 69, we all know, America went to the moon. 84, India is in space, and then 2003, China is in space. We all know what happened in, uh, what, uh, last year? China goes to the dark side of the moon. Other um, countries that are involved in space, but not so much active, are the UK, North Korea, Turkey, Norway, Sweden, Germany, Italy, France, Spain, Netherlands, Denmark. Um, the Denmark, uh, Japan, and Afghanistan. Um... Other than the tri the trifecta China, Russia, and America, um, Sweden, Germany, Italy, France, Spain, Netherlands, they're all one because uh, they got their uh, the the EU going on. So the EU up in space, the UK somewhat part of that, but with Brexit politically and now um, state wise, they're they're going to be disconnecting. Um, America and Russia works together in uh, space. They they have uh, their their collaboration. So I, I don't see why the UK would totally not be involved in um, the EU space plans or aspirations. But also, I can see the UK working with America because uh, you know brother and sister nation. Both English-speaking cultures are the same. You know, we, we drive off of each other, essentially. Um, other space programs that, you know, that are active, like Canada. But they're not major, unlike uh, these that I put together. And, um, you know, Canada is really off by itself. They're not part of uh, the EU. Um, so what are some reasons why we would go out in space other than just doing the novelty things or really just trying to be the first to to do it? And uh, it breaks up into natural, 
non-natural population incorporations. Natural could be the obvious. Nuclear warheads and plastic bags are, are killing us and this and that. Okay. The non-natural... I mean, oh, oh, I got those switched over. So natural would be like um, some super volcano. Um, you know, and um, the eruption in the atmosphere is toxic. And now we have uh, an earthquake. And the uh, result in uh, the earthquake is now triggering a tsunami. You know, stuff like that. Not natural. I just told y'all, you know, what a little Swedish or Norway girls talking about. Plastic bags, right? Population that doesn't go along with natural or unnatural, that's just directly involving us. Um, some some people predict that uh, we're, we're, we're reaching our limit. And last on the list is corporate. You know, if there's a supply, there's a demand for it, and corporate will reach out its arm and reach and meet that demand. That's that's uh, the nature of. Uh, Corporations. So, uh, out of uh, out of uh, these conclusions, I believe going from cor- corporation to population to unnatural to natural is going from least like I mean most likely to least likely, and uh, I sort of see natural. As also like, oh, God came back and now Jesus Christ and God wants to rage war on earth against the devil and his demons, which is going to be uh, apocalyptic, apocalyptic. I butcher up that word all the time, guys. You could go on and butcher me up now. All right. You know, uh, nuclear bombs, you know, it's still very unlikely because that that should have been happened. Back in the 50s and 60s. I remember my dad told me. He used to go to sleep. Like scared out of his mind. Or stay awake. Thinking that the bomb was about to drop. They were about to go into a communist government. And their freedoms are going to be taken away. Religious freedoms are going to be taken away. So, uh, you know. Still very unlikely. We got a United Nations. And... Uh, and, and uh, people are keeping others in check. Even right now with the, the coronavirus, we're right now during a peacetime. There isn't virtually any wide-scale wars being raged right now because at all nations are grappling with uh, a sickness. So, so, so there's there's things like that going on, you know, um, that that slims the chances of oh, that's the reason why, you know. We, we still have some organization. We still have humanity in us, as, as you can see. Because uh, one nation might take this as an advantage. Like, oh, yeah, now let's invade the nation. They're, they're incapacitated with a medical need. They're not expecting it. We could win this battle and thus turn the tables of war. But, uh, you know, none of that is happening, actually. So, you know. uh, thank God, actually, you know. Thank God that... Right now, with America going through this thing, now you know fear that oh yeah, we're we're still at war. You can still be attacked. 
You know, the mercy and the comfort could be striked upon and thus killing more people. Not indirectly. I mean, indirectly killing more people. Stuff like that. Um, population. Very true. Happening on a small scale and when you scan out on a larger scale. And then you got another group of scientists saying, well, that's, that's virtually impossible. You could fail all of the population of the world in one state. And that would be roughly New Jersey. And that's like, what? New Jersey's so dense. We already got, an, got enough crap as it is. But it's also believable. The last is corporations. Because of corporations, we got pornography. We got bounty hunters. We got evictions and, you know, stuff like that. We, we got all types of services in the name of having, a, of, 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 of expressing a demand for it. And needing a supply, tapping that supply. Um... On the long run, um, Homo Homo sapiens sapiens ourselves, or whatever we're considered, Cro Magnon, will roughly exist for another five thousand years. So uh, we're we're actually going to be doing a okay. It's just that this social society that we're under, we believe, is coming to an end, but our actual enclave of, of subspecies within the hominids is, is going to be around for, for thousands of years. Another 3,000 years. Actually, to scan back, the hominids that's where we share ancestry with, with virtually all um, ape-like um, mammals are going to be around for another 7.8 million years. See, even if our intellectual intellectual uh, subspecies of hominin disappears our overall group hominins like a far distant descendants of ours whether they be more advanced or more uh, savage will still be around on a on a planet that's still going to be a-okay so you know to to that those people about the green new deal and talking about the earth ending how very disrespectful on a religious note. Only God has that power. And second of all, why would you think <clears throat> that the earth is going to end? It, it didn't end when there were single-celled and, and simple-celled organisms, organisms driving it to, to, you know, to earth. That was just organisms. It, it, it didn't end when the dinosaurs were around. It didn't end when plants first arrived. It didn't end when the moon collided with the earth. It just didn't end. It kept on going. So I, I highly doubt it. That a few plastic bags at the bottom of an ocean is going to kill our planet. Let alone kill us. I mean, maybe kill us, but not kill our planet. Come on. Stop. They, they're just feeding into... Talk to any scientist that has studied biology, or geology, or even the cosmos. And they're laughing like, trust me, you got other things to worry about. All right? Don't, don't worry about what's about to happen in the next 10 million years. Not unless you're going space traveling 
and you got some other needs of technology to put that into relevancy. So, um, what are the main concerns about space travel? And it's just right there in high orbit, not even talking about going to the moon or leaving our solar system. Number one thing is our muscles get weaker, our bone structures get weaker because of the zero G. Under this gravity, we, we have evolved ourselves for millions of years to be capable underneath this this atmosphere and gravity. So when you take that away, we're totally out of our element. All right. Next on the list is our heart, our red blood cells. Our hearts get lazier. Or in other cases, they start pumping even harder because of uh, the low G. It got to circulate all of that blood all around your body. Our heart gotten used to our gravity, our our cardiovascular systems have adjusted to Earth and not in zero G. So our, our red blood cell count also starts going down. Our immune system starts uh, getting weaker. We start um, having problems with eyesight because of uh, the eye socket pressure in our eyes. It gets hard for us to focus on things. Our nasal... Uh, passage starts getting clogged up we start losing sleep and we start um, having abnormal digestive patterns so we're a lot more gassy a lot of farting starts altering our DNA our anxiety raises like I said insomnia raises and also raises in uh, depression now, the reason why anxiety, insomnia, and depression raises is because let's start off with the first and easiest one that y'all can imagine. When the sun comes up, it's a bit harder for you to go to sleep. But when you're in, out in orbit, you're not in a cycle of sunrise, moonrise, moonfall, sunrise. You're not in that cycle and it throws your body off and you, you, you tend to get less and less sleep. Up there, you're not just playing. You're not just chilling out, looking at the earth. You're up there conducting tests, um, reviewing surveys. You're you're doing a ton of things while you're up there at that you know, and the having the opportunity while you're up there. You it, it was um, very uh, weird and unique that uh, that while you're up there. You're working for now corporations. You're now working for the government. Now you're working for some agencies. Now you're working, you know, overall as a team. And that just raises your anxiety and depression because you you get a homesick feeling. After you're done with being excited, the work load begins to wear on you and other aspects of the job begins to wear on you and you just begin to get depressed naturally um to fly just one pound up in space costs 640 dollars so imagine somebody that weighs 200 200 pounds none that's going to be four times that amount of a of of uh 
of, of what you're looking at. Um, other things uh, you, you would want to send up in space would be satellites for yourself. For communications. And for surveying, depending on what type of satellite is it. Um, some some things you, you would want to do other than uh, launching satellites would be mining and manufacturing. So those, those are the three things that you could do that could help you progress in space exploration, make life a bit easier. Make yourself make yourself some money. And what would there be uh, demand for? Oxygen, water, minerals, and silicates. Um, while in uh, orbit, you would need water, of course, food. You need people for construction. You need materials, you need uh, energy, you need transportation, you need communications, you need life support, you need definitely simulated gravity. That would reduce virtually half of our problems. I mean, not saying that the problems we got is smaller than that one problem. No, we got problems that's bigger than that. But the current problems that we are suffering from right now could be virtually cut in half if we had simulated gravity. If we had proper radiation protection. And also, obviously, investments. Um, What would we be getting from... Uh, what... what, what um, I'm just thinking, what, what is this graph I made for? Um, let's go over this one. Uh, argon, um, hydrogen, helium, carbon, and uh, nitrogen. Um, the the moon uh, lacks um, argon, hydrogen, helium. No, 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 that can't be right because, uh, well, actually that can be right because you got helium, helium-2, and helium-3. Those are all different compounds of helium with uh, with uh, higher uh, masses and, and, and power outputs. And helium-3 is projected to be the next big power source. So the moon has plenty of that. Um, the problem with the... the, the uh, well, it won't be a problem, actually. It's uh, low gravity forces, no atmospheric drag, and no biosphere damage when dealing with uh, exporting from the moon. Versus being on Earth, you have all three of those factors, and that's why it's costing so much to leave Earth. Um, three options that, that, um, that, that, um, we got in the Caribbean progression. Organisms living isolated from the environment, which we're already doing. We're in our space station, we're in our rovers, we're in, we're in our special cages, if you will, out in space. Next is changing the environment, which takes centuries respectively 
You know, there's no other way to speed it up. That's like trying to speed up the growth of a plant. You cannot do that. The only thing you can do is give it the best opportunity. You know, you get some good soil. You get some mineral water. You make sure you put it in a place with sunlight. You know, but you cannot actually, like, speed up that process. It, it's a natural process that will take centuries, respectively. And then you got changing the organism, changing yourself, bioengineering. It is said that um, you need... Um, you you could you could fly off in space with 150 people, and that alone would, within a few generations, be able to populate a state and then a nation. Just 150 people. You could even start as low as two women and one male. Anything lower than that, or a combination switch of any of that, and you're looking at extinction. So two males, one woman, no. Three females, no. Three males, no. Two females, one guy. And uh, typically in a generational ship, you could have a number no higher than uh, 98 people. That could comfortably grow out to 800 people. You know, anything higher than starting off with that, you're, you're in a bad dilemma in, uh, in the mathematics output. And anything lower than that, you would be... Uh, undermanned in uh, conducting this monumental mission that's going to take generations. So, uh, so far, uh, just within our uh, solar system, we, we got destinations planned. For the moon, we could uh, do some manufacturing and uh, a whole bunch of exports and imports. For Venus, it's already halfway done as a habitable planet. And you got some people out there that are so much of a book nerd that remember just one specific fact about something. And they're jumping up and down saying, that's impossible. Venus is hotter than Mercury. How could you settle on a place like that? It's stupid. I would rather go to Mars than to go to Venus, as they would say. So the reason why Venus is a lot better off than Mars is because it has an atmosphere. It has a magnetosphere. It has oceans. It has land. It, it, it has, it has uh, liquids. It has uh, weather. On Mars, you, you don't have an atmosphere. You have no magnetosphere. You have... Also, radiation out the gazoo. Virtually, the tectonic plates are inactive. So, on, on, on Venus, you're halfway there in terraforming. Terraforming Venus would definitely take a couple of centuries. And that's because it's already halfway there. Maybe on other planets, we're under-projecting and being very... Uh, Optimistic and saying, oh, yeah, it's going to take just a couple of centuries. But now nah, Venus could literally take just a couple of centuries. Also with Venus, we have finally learned that in its atmosphere, there is possibility 
that you got a habitable zone. So you could virtually be floating in Venus and be in a perfect zone, still underneath its protection in the atmosphere, and also could benefit from its gases to power and even export a floating city, a sky city in Venus. That it could be possible that you could even breathe on Venus up in the atmosphere at a, at a, at a certain level. So that's, that's amazing. And that's still better off than Mars. Because on Mars, you will have to dig into the, into the ground to protect yourself. On uh, Mercury, it is possible to set up, to set up solar uh, solar uh, powered colonies, because with it being so close to the sun, it has the advantage of uh, harnessing solar power. As solar as the solar energy expands all the way out to the Earth, it has degraded and uh, been filtered by dust and uh, other elements. So. Up, up close by Mercury, you're, you're, you're getting some of that unfiltered raw solar power. And also at a safe distance. That's why Mercury is a system in a functioning one. It isn't because it's actually worse. It's actually that's at a good distance, you know. Anything probably closer to that, then, we're, then you can safely assume it's just hazardous overall, abysmally. Out in the asteroid belt, you have plenty of asteroids that, that have uh, elements, serenness, as uh, they will point out. Over at Jupiter's moons, you have uh, snow-covered Europa, which is another big candidate for life. Just haven't uh, landed or discovered it yet. Titan, Saturn's uh, moon, is uh, rich, thick carbon uh, compounds. It has ice water and uh, methane oceans. It's another one, uh, the Kuiper Belt. Uh, so somewhere out a little further than um, Neptune and Pluto, where you have some exoplanets that is worth uh, exploring. So uh, the 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 only way that we could travel right now at this. Uh, Point is with nuclear fusion or fission, fission, and um, also laser propulsion. Nuclear fission is like taking two magnets that are repelling against each other, and noticing the energy that is creating when in between of of, of those uh, those two magnets. That's what they're doing on an atomic level. So they're 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 getting energy from the, the heat exchange of, of two atoms and um, that's that's um, that's fission in uh, no that's uh, in uh, nu- nuclear fission is uh, when, when you pull the compounds away from each other so it creates energy fusion bring together fission takes apart the laser propulsion is like um, 
lasers that have energy that was uh, having contact with a solar cell or some type of uh, panel that transmitted that energy into propulsion energy. Or it could be in a literal sense where the sheer force of that laser is propelling the solar cells. The only difference or problem is is that the farther away it gets, the smaller the target is and accuracy gets wacky. So the solar cells would need to expand wider and wider. And that also opens up another, you know, whole world of, of problems because you're, you're running into so much dust and uh, could just further damage your ship as, as we speak. So very lightly... The very beginning episode of, of uh, space exploration, colonization, is uh, laid out for y'all right there. Within um, 10 years of travel at light speed, you'll be a little farther than our closest sun. And um, they're predicting that the chances of you discovering life, even uh, way out there, is really just two two planets possibly two exoplanets two habitable zone planets that could host life once we get to 20 uh, light years out you're you, you could have six uh, planets that can hold alien life in habitable places and 15 in total places in exoplanets or asteroids comets um if you will, 30 light years out, the number boasts up to an eight, eight planets that could be just like Earth with life, just like Earth with a total of 22 planets, 40 light years out. You have 10 planets with a total of 24 and 50 light years out. You have a total of 11. I mean, you have 11 Earth like planets with um, life on it and a total of 31 planets. And that is um, some interesting numbers that even just 10 years out, a little beyond our our closest uh, star, there is a possibility of finding life like Earth. Interesting. So there we go, guys. That's uh, the episode. I hope you really enjoyed this episode of uh, talking about space exploration. Interstellar travel, intergalactic travel, even a possibility that we will be diving into later on, guys. Thank you for tuning in to NNM Radio. I am your host, and we are out. Hey. <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. This is NNM Radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. You still going through it at the house. And you know what I'm talking about, guys. Hopefully it's over by the summer. I pray, I pray, I pray. But um actually in the meantime we're gonna be doing a different episode. Um this sh- probably should be my last episode doing this, um doing the sea ship episode, right? Alright, um and um that that last episode that was my first 
day? No, no. Yeah, it was my first day. First full day. I'll, 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 I'll... <sighs> anyway. It was, um, so I, I kept on playing for a few other days and, um... I think we have, like, well over 80 logs now. And I feel like I should have much more than that. Some, uh, extra things that I experienced and went through. And, um, I believe from day to day, the game surprises me. There'll be an outcome that I, uh, just wasn't expecting, you know. And, um, some, some, some cool scenarios would, would happen. I'm like, yeah, you know, it, 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 that's that's a good thing. Because, you know, games get boring as soon as they get predictable. And uh, this is like one of the most mind-blowing games I have ever played in my life. I like these type of games. You know, I'm not into using your cell phone as a controller. Bullcrap. Right. So here we are, 82 missions later. So um, I'm going to spare y'all what y'all already know. We're going to go over some new underlining um, worlds and systems and scenarios that uh, I didn't cover yes or the last episode, I should say. Was it yesterday? Shoot. <clears throat> and um, so, uh, yeah. Let's uh, go in and dive into it. Also, planet names are kind of irrelevant at this point. Um, unless some of, you know, um, no, actually they're all irrelevant. Forget that. You know, um, even if it's a name that's just a one-time off, I don't think it's going to really matter to myself or even y'all what the freaking name of the planet is. Alright, um, <clears throat> starting with, okay, so, yeah, I was playing the game yesterday, but, um, the day after, I think I was with y'all when I had my worst civilization yet, long-term technology failure, the this was after 18 planets. I've, I visited 18 planets. Breathable air. Gravity very low. Meaning, you know, you could jump 30 feet in the air. It's cold. Traces of water. But not even, like, ponds, I'm, I'm assuming. Or if it's a pond, that's the largest amount. Other water is, like, from... I don't know, cracks in, in the streams or whatever the heck. I mean, like, virtually no water. If it says none, I'm assuming none. And if it says traces, virtually none. Resources poor. What the heck? Airtight caves, edible uh, plants, useful animals. Civilization is in uh, medieval. They're benevolent monarchy. And uh, y'all can somewhat see why I chose this planet. 
This was after 18 planets visited, and I was like, no, we haven't found the right one yet. So when I saw that there was breathable air, airtight caves, edible food, and useful animals, I was like, you're not going to find a better deal than than that, honestly. Like, you're, you're in caves, you don't have to deal with that environment. Code environment, very low gravity. But we're about to see why. Because, not not really why, because I sort of wish the game could, like, you know, you, you could see what exactly happened more specifically. You know, I, I know it can't unload the whole journey. And this happened and that happened, but... You know, more of the important things on the way, I wish they could elaborate on. But at least they give you a short summary. <laughs> it's like, um, alien plant life reaches to the blue skies. The ruins of the colony are overgrown with alien plants and overrun by alien animals. The planet's intelligent natives explore the ruins but not enough remains from them to learn anything about the extinct human race. That's crazy, guys. So, if I had to take a guess, the gravity killed them, lack of water killed them. You know, the landing could have killed them. Uh, you know, you're not going to be able to tell that because actually yeah you you probably could actually now that so um 733 people after the landing that is a great number only 95 people after the first uh settlement and uh they just must have just freaking got killed got obliterated i don't know but by what though i don't know because of that environment. <clears throat> um, next one, the construction uh, failure. Marginal atmosphere, high gravity, hot temperature, planet-wide ocean, rich in resources, metal-rich moon, poisonous plants, and monumental ruins. So as y'all could guess, so people were dying from the atmosphere, people were dying from gravity, people was dying from the temperature. Um Yeah, um because they were on platform cities because of the gravity, more people died. People died because of poisonous plants. So here we are. Calm ocean stretches to the pale blue ski. The ruins of the colony decay at the bottom of the planet-wide ocean. After the landing, we had uh, 520 people. And uh, they failed to construct their first civilization. Really, um, this was after 19 planets visited. So, you know, y'all could guess I was on my on my last 
Um, let's see higher up on the on the list that could be better. Um, this is the highest ranking field construction civilization. Breathable atmosphere, gravity marginal, moderate. I mean, um, temperature hot, water. We have oceans. Resources is rich. Unstable geology, poisonous plants, high tech ruins, though, but dangerous ruins. So, uh, yeah, the ruins of the colony are overgrown by alien plants. I think the reason why I rank so high is because the overall planet that I found was just all green to go, except for the temperature, obvious. But, um, yeah, 555 people. Survived the journey. This was after 23 planets were visited. Let's see. uh, The highest ranking long term failure. Civilization and why did it fail? Breathable air. Very high gravity. um, Cold temperatures. Ice capped. Water resources is rich. Planet life, useful animals, civilization, Mesolithic. It's a collective rule with uh, dangerous ruins. Uh, so here we are. The ruins of the colony are overgrown with plants and animals. Run. The planet's intelligent natives explore the ruins, but not enough is for them to extract any useful information from the extinct human race. This is after 21 planets visited. After the landing, we had 918 people. After the first civilization, 599 people uh, lived. But still, it was a failure. What a surprise with numbers that big. Enslaved by the natives. Let's see this one. Uh, Atmosphere, marginal, gravity, moderate. Temperature is very hot. Planet-wide ocean. Rich resources. Poisonous plants. Useful animals. Civilization is post-singularity. That should have been good. But uh, we're about to see why we got enslaved. Because they are war superpowers. So the ruins of the colony decay at the bottom of the planet's ocean. The colony's descendants lives as slaves to the intelligent natives and they have lost all knowledge of earth ouch after around 15 planets were visited um let's see 934 people survived the journey 521 survived after the first settlement and um yeah you Lose a thousand points just by becoming enslaved or enslaving people. So that's why I rank so low on this list. <coughs> um, let's see another one. Warring Neolithic states. Breathable atmosphere, a high gravity, moderate. Temperature, traces of water, riches and resources, unstable moon, ugly planet, 
unstable geology. Edible plants though. Has animal life and high-tech ruins. This was after 19 planets were visited. Now this is our lowest ranking, I guess overall successful, but still outright failure. Because those civilizations didn't even survive. So here we are. The colonists live in stonewall cities uh, beneath the planet's open sky. Uh, yeah, that's good. Gathered around water, producing plants. Cities are dominated by barricades, housing. There are various armies. Which regularly attacks the cities. In the first uh, city stands a monument to the 238 colonists who did not survive the journey. The 617 who died to build the first civilization after 19 planets were visited. Yeah. Neolithic Warren states. Only 145 people lived after that first civilization. And uh, we, we had lost all of our culture, so that's why we were in a warring state. Um, let's, let's see another example. Mid... Oh, snap. No, 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 actually, um... Uh, Bronze Age Slave Empire. Is that really? The next... No, no, no. The next one is, uh... Mesolithic Warring... Um, Mesolithic Savagery. Mesolithic Savagery with, a uh, marginal atmosphere, high gravity, cold temperatures... Ice cap waters with poor resources, unstable moon, airtight caves, planet, uh, plant life, and high-tech ruins. Uh, the colonists live in uh, farming villages uh, with buildings uh, sealed against the planet's harsh environments by the lakes where they could get um, the planet's... Uh, where um, they can get water from the mountain planet's ice caps. The people live like animals, having forgotten almost all of their language and culture. In their first city stood monuments to the 164 colonists who did not survive the journey, and the 277 people who died um, building their first civilization, but they had lost all of their culture, and they were savages. They ended up being... Wow. Savagery. And that's why you get ranked uh, low on the list. Um, we already went over warring, you know, Iron Age states. Oh, warring Atomic Age superpower. Let's see how, how this one ended up. Breathable. Moderate gravity, hot, got some oceans, no resources, but a metal-rich moon with edible plants, dangerous animals. Pre-Stone Age civilization, warring tribes with dangerous ruins. 
Uh, the city is in uh, steel concrete buildings. And uh, they are surrounded by military bases and nuclear missile silos. And the population lives in fear of both of the other nations and their own nation's secret police. Ruins and mass graves are all that remains of the planet's native civilization. That's why we rank so low. Wow. And, uh, 147 people died in the journey and 600 people died in the first settlement. That's crazy. We genocide the natives. Crap. We didn't have that much culture, and that's why we we uh, were a police state, it looks like. Okay, atomic age, post-nuclear, waste... Land, oh my goodness, so low on the list, but this sounds interesting. And I, I wish they had the little chapters a little more. But anyway, breathable air, very low gravity, cold temperatures, uh, traces of water, poor resources, insulated caves, edible plants, dangerous animals, Bronze Age civilizations, they are in an oppressive theocracy with high-tech ruins. So, uh, they live in steel and concrete buildings. Uh, they gather around the water production plants. Cities are in ruins and survivors of the nuclear war survive as best as they can in the wreckage of human civilization. The colonist culture mostly ignores the, the native inhabitants. Who live in their own communities on the other parts of the planet and ruins of the first city stands a monument to the 542 colonists who did not survive the journey and the 431 who died during the first civilization. Oh, wow. Remember, when you live in isolation from the natives of the planet, you get a zero for that. Post-nuclear wasteland, you get a zero for that. Let's see some other unique. Uh, oppressive Neolithic uh, theocracy? Nah. We already know how that goes. Um, dystopia information age police state. Still low ranking on the list, but let's see what's the attributes. Marginal atmosphere, low gravity, cold temperatures, oceans, poor resources, a, a barren moon, um, edible plants, dangerous animals, uh, bronze age civilization, benevolent monarchy with monumental Ruins and high-tech ruins. So we're living in uh, tall cities of steel and glass. And um, the streets are filled with security cameras and patrolled by armed police who violently put down any hint of dissent. 
Much of the labor in the human communities is performed by a downtrodden alien slave caste. That is all that remains of the planet's native civilization. Mm-mm-mm. 189 people died in building this this civilization. So nobody died in the journey. Wow. No wonder we're a little higher, but negative a thousand for enslaving people. So this score could have been a whole lot better if uh, we didn't enslave those poor people. You only get... 500 points for having a dystopian police state. That's bad, but, you know, at least they give us something. We had a lot of scientific database in that one. So we are, um, pre-Stone Age and, uh, Cosmic Enlightenment. Alright, let's go over that for the sake of... Let's get it done. So, marginal atmosphere, moderate uh, gravity, hot temperatures with oceans, no resources, um, a metal-rich moon, edible plants, uh, animal life with monumental uh, ruins. Colonists live in wandering hunter-gatherer tribes with buildings sealed up against... uh, Da-da-da. They live... They live life as peaceful and spiritually fulfilled beyond the dreams of their ancestors on Earth, guided by the combination of both human and alien philosophy. In the ruins of the first city stood the 14 people that died and the one person that died during uh, the building of uh, civilization. That's really good, actually. So uh, overall high scores. Cosmic Enlightenment gets you a 3,000, but being in the Stone Age gets you a zero. We had all, like, more than 100 cultural database, but virtually no technology, so you see why we were in the Stone Age, or even pre-Stone Age, as they would say. Um, That's crazy. Um, 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 Let's go higher on the list. Let's see. uh, Benevolent Iron Age Monarchy. I don't know. Let's let's see that. We we never went over a monarchy, so let's see. Oh, wow. Breathable atmosphere. Moderate gravity. Moderate temperature. Oceans, but no resources. Iron-rich moon. Dangerous plants. And uh, regular geological uh, activity and formations. So they live in a stone wall uh, cities. And the cities are built around a royal palace from which beloved monarchies rule the population wisely. And in the first city, not in the ruins of the first city, <laughs> you peeped that. In the first city stood the 244 people. Who died in building the civilization. Everybody survived the journey. That's great. So just making it to the Iron Age. To get you a thousand. You know that's. That's that's kind of whack. Because what's the difference between the Iron Age. And uh, 
what you call it, the medieval age, you know, I don't really see a difference. But we had our culture, and that's why we were uh, a benevolent monarchy, it, it seems like. That's why, you know, you have your culture, you can still hold something. It, it can still end well for you. <laughs> Okay, um, Atomic Age Corporate Ruled. Let's see this one. Atmosphere Marginal, Gravity Moderate, Temperatures Moderate, Oceans, Rich Resources, A Barren Moon, and Plant Life. So they live in steel and concrete. The cities are dominated by the headquarters of wealthy corporations that rule the populations for their owners' enrichment. In the city stood the monument of the 152 people who did not survive the journey and the 55 people who died in the uh, construction of this first settlement. Okay, let's see... Corporate ruled. You only get a thousand. I don't even think you should get that much for being ruled by corporations. Alright. Uh, let's see. Higher on the list. I noticed that as you get higher on the list, the more you see democracy. And... Uh, information age, the topic age. So, uh, let's go on and cap it off with the top five. So, here we are. Atomic age, cosmic enlightenment. Sounds brilliant, right? Breathable air, very low gravity, moderate temperatures, ocean-wide, uh, Water and poor resources, plant life, useful animals, Bronze Age civilization, slave-based empire, though. High-tech ruins. That's the upside, I guess. The colonies live in towering uh, buildings and cities, steels and concrete. They live in peaceful and spiritual fulfillment. We all know how that goes. Uh, the colonists' culture mostly ignores. Wow, that's bad. And then the first city stood the monument of the 90 people who did not survive the journey. So everybody uh, survived the settlement process, and that's why we remained a uh, high score. We had over 100 culture, over 100 uh, science, information age, cosmic enlightenment, Breathable atmosphere, moderate uh, gravity, hills, a hot temperature, ocean wide, planet wide oceans with re rich resources, uh, 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 metal rich moon with edible plants, uh, concrete and glass, even better, nice. Um, uh, platforms on the planet wide ocean, they live peaceful lives, yep, yep. And. Uh, in the city stands a monument to the AI. So nobody died on the journey. Nobody died after building the construction. That's why I rank so high on the list. You get a 2,000 for information age. You get a 3,000 for cosmic enlightenment. I just, that was just a great run for me. It seemed like four planets visited 
Dang, man. That was early in the list. So here we are. Atmosphere marginal, gravity low, temperature moderate. We've got oceans, resources are rich, edible plants, dangerous animals. So, but high tech uh, ruins. And uh, da 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 da. And tall, high tech cities. Wow. That's where they live in, uh, They live happily and fulfilled un- lives under the guidance of selfless elected officials. 22 people died in a journey, and 293 people died in the first civilizations. What a price to pay for us to have uh, post-singularity. That's a 3,000. And an engaged democracy. That's a 2,000. That was after uh, nine planets were visited. Number two on the list with marginal gravity. I mean, low gravity, marginal atmosphere, moderate temperatures, oceans, rich resources, a beautiful planet, edible plants with monumental ruins. So the colonists live in tall cities of steel and glass. Peace is spiritual fulfillment, right? In the first city, still monuments. To the 90 people who died in the first construction. Everybody survived the journey. Nice. Alright, so now let's see number one on the list. Number one on the list. Breathable atmosphere. Moderate gravity. Temperatures are cold. Planet-wide ocean. No resources. Um, um, metal rich moon, edible plants, right? So they live in high tech cities with buildings that's sealed from the environment on platforms on the planet wide ocean. They spent their time pursuing art, leisure, and spiritual fulfillment while automatic robots take care of their material needs. In the first city stood the monument of the 30 people who died in building this city. Yep, this was my best score yet. With a 3,000 for post uh, singularity, 2,500 for post scarcity utopia, 1,240 on our scientific base, and a 1,000 for our culture. There, there's also um, one where. We we uh, lived in a simulation. Let me see if I can find that. Ah, here it is. So breathable atmosphere, high gravity. This isn't top five. I I think this is like top ten or not even. Surprisingly enough, temperature is a moderate. We have oceans. It is rich resources. Simulation, edible plants, and is beautiful. The colonists live in cities of concrete and steel. They spend their lives pursuing art. Oh, man. And they don't even tell y'all how exactly it went down. Like, three, like a, nobody lost their lives in this uh, mission. Oh, why did we rank low? Because uh, 1,750 for Atomic Age. Wow. Come on, that's great. That's, that's, a, that's otherwise great. 
So, like what we do in the last episode, next episode, we're going to go on a journey and see uh, where does the cosmos leads us.